Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode 131. Today we are talking about subbing for yourself, what to do when you are sick or low energy and still have to teach. We'll also talk about our highs and lows from the school week, discuss some ideas in our Know Better, Do Better segment, share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things we are enjoying in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. And now it's time for our highs and lows from the school week. Um, Briefly, though, I wanted to just put in a plug that... I, Tanya, will be presenting for Peace Corps. That's the Plain State uh, Kodai organization. Organization, excuse me. Yes, that's P-S-K-O-R, Plain State Kodai organization. Um, I'm going to be doing a session called How Can I Keep Them Singing? That's songs and games and activities for older beginners or just older students in general. And that's from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the University of Nebraska at Kearney on April 22nd. So if you are around there and uh, would love to see you and please come and say hi, if you happen to be at the University of Nebraska at Kearney on Saturday, April 22nd, I'm really excited. Um, It'll be an awesome time. Nice. And we'll link to that chapter's website in our show notes so you can see where to register and all the details and all that stuff. Exactly. It's going to be live in person and that's very fun. Cool. Um, but for highs and lows, uh, how do you feel about this past teaching week, Carrie? What do you want to share? Um, I'm going to share a high and it's related to our session, Tanya, that you and I just did at the OAKE, the Oak National Conference, um, just this oh. past couple of weeks in Jacksonville. So we presented a session about concerts and programs and performances and and how to encourage um, more organic performances rather than the stop the whole world to teach the musical that doesn't necessarily relate to your curriculum, blah, blah, blah. So my story is that, you know, we've talked about it before. This is my first year at this school. And when I was hired in the interview, um, I was told there is a fifth grade musical and that tradition will continue. So knowing that this year I am doing a quote unquote canned musical for my (laughs) fifth grade program. And you know, it's going fine other than the amount of time that it's taking to teach this thing. Well, I had my kind of final observation meeting with my administrator at my school, who is always very supportive of me and everything I do. And I really just kind of had that open discussion about, she was like, let's create some goals for next year. And I said, well, here's one goal. And I started talking about performances, concerts, and programs. And I just put it out there and I said, look, you know, I know I was asked to do this musical um, for the fifth graders this year. I'm doing that, but I need you to understand that it's taking up 
a third of my year, a trimester of my year to do this musical. And her face was like, oh, I, okay, I see that, you know. So I kind of just started to have that open, honest conversation with her about the alternatives and what a more organic program would look like and how it's a better representation of what our kids were doing. So it was just one of those moments where I felt like I was practicing what I was preaching because we were talking about this at the Oak Conference and then I got to experience it with my own administrator just the following week after spring break. And it was a great productive conversation because it wasn't just me complaining about, I don't wanna do this anymore. It was me putting forth here's what I'd like to do instead and why and what's better for kids and what's more, you know, child friendly, especially for our youngest students if we're talking about doing programs at younger ages. So anyways, it was a great conversation. So, you know, if you're nervous about having that conversation with your administrator, be prepared before you have that conversation, but don't be afraid to have that conversation is really the message I want to get across because, you know, more often than not, administrators are supportive and they want to do what's best for kids. So we just have to present it to them in a way that makes sense and then give them the alternative instead of this let me try this and let's see how it goes yes and i that's awesome and that just goes to uh well i want to reinforce that idea of have some solid specific ideas of what to do instead like i'd rather do this and here's why yep that's exactly what i did so yeah i left that meeting feeling very supported and like we're, we're on a path forward that feels good for everybody so yay Yay, that's awesome. All right. How about you, Tanya? What do you want to talk about? Well, um, just a couple nights ago, I had my first recorder concert <laughs> um, in several years. I think I, I know I told the audience, I said, you know, I haven't taught recorder since 2019. And and here we are. And we are very excited that we get to play recorder. Um, something that I was happy that happened in the concert that I planned for in advance was I took a minute to explain why we play recorder and I used the third graders to demonstrate, you know, here is something that we are, we're learning how to play recorder and it's an extension of our music literacy skills that we've been working on since kindergarten. And here now we're going to sing hot cross buns with the lyrics. And here it is with the rhythm. And here it is with mi, re, do melody. And now we can sing it with B-A-G absolute pitches. Oh, and here now we can play it. And wow, look at this progression. And I didn't take too long on it. I just took a little time to demonstrate. And um, a, a few people came up and said how much they appreciated that. And I think it's important whenever you have a captive audience to just give a little short, here's why we do this Mm -hmm. kind of thing, especially as far as, especially regarding the recorder, because I know that the recorder gets a bad rap um, (laughs) and people don't know why we see those Facebook memes or Instagram or TikTok, like, boy, I'm so glad I learned how to play recorder because it's really helpful in my life, you know? all of those things. And I just wanted to not only dispel that, but also say, Hey, we're performing for you, but in music class, we're doing these things as well. Anyway, um, it was well-received. Um, I thought it worked, went very well. It's always scary when you have 80 third graders playing recorders all at once, it can be a little frightening. Um, I was a little also hopeful after the concert that no one was going to complain that, my program was 15 minutes long yeah, and I've never done a concert that short ever. And I thought, Oh no, I wonder if parents are going to be like, I came out here for 15 minutes and 
so far so good. No one said anything. And the few people, staff and parents that I mentioned it to, I said, you know, um, it was really short. Do you think anybody's upset about that? And everybody said, no, it was great. It was, it was succinct and it was, we got to hear the kids and, you know, it was great that it was short. So 15 minute concert. Yeah. Now I'm a member of the 15 minute concert club. If there is one. I've been to like beginning band and orchestra concerts that are that short. And I think it's just that, you know, that understanding of, yeah, how, I mean, within the amount of time that I've been able to teach them, there's only so much we can do, especially when it comes to playing an instrument. But I love that you tied it into the singing and the literacy piece too, because then it wasn't just recorded the whole time, you know, they got to hear how it's embedded into what you do. So I'm sure the audience understands that, you know, with the amount of time you see the kids, how many recorder songs can they possibly learn, you know, and be able to perform in a concert? So I think there is that. Well, I think we could have, yeah, we could have thrown in a couple more, but if you have not a whole lot of repertoire and you want to make your concert a little bit longer, students speaking in between pieces is something that I didn't do. And I thought about it and then I just, I just didn't go there. Um, But students coming up, and sharing something like my favorite thing about playing recorder is or it just introducing the next song like that's kind of special because you give those kids a spotlight and you know it also adds a little bit more to your concert I didn't do it this time around mostly because I didn't want to favor any specific students from Mm -hmm. classes and I was also working with the traveling music teacher and it was just another piece that we just didn't get to and I think that was fine for this time that's awesome yeah So now it is time for our main theme, and we are going to talk about what we are lovingly calling subbing for yourself. So these are times where you might be feeling a little low energy for so many reasons. Maybe your vocal health isn't where it should be. And while, of course, we all have COVID and you didn't know. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I mean, of course, we, we always want to say if you're ill, you should stay home. That is obviously always the goal. We also know that there's a whole lot of reality wrapped into that where maybe you couldn't get a sub or maybe you're out of sub days. So there might be times where you're going into school slightly ill. I mean, let's face it, it happens. So what can you do to preserve your energy, to preserve your health, but still allow students to keep learning music? And, you know, I'm guilty of it too. There are all times where we might just pop in a movie and, you know, it's happened. I'm not knocking it, but are there other strategies we might try instead of just popping in a movie um, where the kids are maybe doing a little bit more active music making, but you are still taking care of yourself at the same time. Yes, exactly. All right. So some basic guidelines, very practical, I'm sure you know, but it needs to be stated that you should be keeping it simple for yourself. Less talking and singing for you, the teacher, is important. Um, less energy, you're, if you're feeling less energetic, of course, you know, you don't want to give it all away during that very first class. If at all possible, do more student-guided activities. 
you know your students better than a sub, so take this opportunity to really hand more over to them. Of course, we should be doing more student-guided things anyway, and we'll talk as we get into specific content of what you can be doing. Um, plan for you to be sitting down more. I don't know about you, but I find during a typical music class, I'm hardly ever sitting. I'm always moving around, helping kids if we're playing individual instruments or, you know, getting a game started or showing where manipulatives are. I mean, I'm rarely do I sit. And when I do sit, it's usually because I'm playing guitar and I'm playing the beat on a cajon or something like my sitting is very purposeful. So I'm usually up and around. But for these low energy subbing for yourself days, do things where you can direct from a seated place. Also, maybe this is not the time, or definitely this is not the time, for you to introduce new songs, new games, new activities. If you were planning on presenting a specific concept, this is probably not that day. Yeah, you need a lot of energy to present a new concept because you have to make it so engaging and so exciting for the student that we're revealing this new piece of information. Present lessons are always a big deal in my world, and there have been times where either if the kids aren't ready for it or I'm not ready for it, I have postponed presenting a concept. So, yeah, this would be yeah. a time in our Kodai classrooms where we are practicing known material. Um, and then, right. again, in ways where students are digging in um, more independently from you is, is a great way to make that make that happen exactly. definitely not a right. good day to introduce a brand new folk dance or a brand new singing game um you need to save those types of days for when you have enough energy and feel well enough to do that yep because you, you know you're just gonna have to do it again exactly you know that right yeah all right, all right. Well, so let's shall get we... some content what are some actual things we might want to do okay well, a lot of these are going to look similar to if you actually have a sub, but we want to talk about like more specifics. Um, one thing that I like to include is play alongs. Play alongs are great for subs, but they're also good for you because you are bringing your music teacher knowledge into that. Um, one of my go-tos, and I know many, is musication. Generally with musication play-along videos and they have percussion and boom whacker play-alongs and i think they even have like one handbell play -along. they have a couple of handbell um, ones now yeah awesome yeah so i know musication are high quality higher quality than many play-alongs um not to knock other play-alongs but just make sure you vet anything that you're going to show and i'm saying this from experience of course just last week i found a spring play along video. And I think I watched the first 15 seconds and I was like, okay, this is good. It's a steady beat. It's to Vivaldi's spring, but played by black violin. And I started up with my kids. I had only watched the first 15 seconds. I mean, there was nothing torrid in there, but it just wasn't really helpful for what I wanted it for. Right. Right. Because a lot of body percussion stuff came in that I was like, this is just, this is too much. Like we can't see the clip art with the padding knees and then padding head and then the clapping, like it was too much for my kindergartners. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. It was just like, I should have picked something different. So sure. yeah. Um, can you mention any other specific music play alongs besides musication that you trust? Um, Ready Go Music is another oh, great yes. channel. Exactly. Yeah. I Ready really like theirs. Yeah, I really like the Ready Go as well. And they have ones that have a like peanut butter versus jelly. 
mm-hmm. or what is it? Zombies versus humans or cats versus dogs, where they have a rhythm for, that you can play simultaneously, um, you know, divide up your students and like the peanut butter rhythm it has rests when the jelly rhythm has sound. So those kind of things are fun and those you can build up to. So if I was doing one that had two parts, I could always say, we're all playing peanut butter this time. We're all playing jelly this time. Oh, and now we're breaking in a half and now we're adding instruments. Oh, and now, I mean, you can really add on, not to say that you should do the same play along lots, like the entire time the entire class time but you could definitely start with okay we're going to play just the peanut butter now we're going to play just the jelly now we're going to do something completely different oh now we're coming back to it and we're putting it together so those you can really get mileage out of a play along that has like two parts yep 100 percent yeah Yeah. And then another thing you might consider, especially if you have older students who are digging into instruments, is giving them some independent individual or small group practice time. Um, You were talking about recorder, ukulele, keyboards, guitar, if you do that in your classroom. Um, The best way that I have found to do this is through Google Classroom. I have in their Google Classroom like a a topic or a folder with that has, you know, play along videos or music notation or however you want to give it to them. You could do this through Seesaw as well, but to have something set up where if I'm not feeling great and I can just say, okay, for the next 10 minutes, you guys are going to go onto Google Classroom and and do independent practice on ukulele or recorder or whatever. Um, If I have that set up ahead of time, it's really helpful. Um, And then, yeah, just giving them time to independently practice. I mean, know your kids and know your space because it can be difficult. We know in an enclosed small room, um, if you have a bunch of kids playing recorder, but they're not all playing the same thing, that can be challenging. Um, If it's nice outside, go outside and do it. I've done that a lot with recorder. Um, And if we take our Chromebooks with us, we just can't go too far away from the actual building or we lose the Wi-Fi connection. (laughs) But as long as we stay close to the building, they're able to access through Google Classroom and they're able to practice and it's just a great opportunity for for them to do independent practicing and for you to just rest yes and in thinking about independent practicing especially on something like recorder which is a little bit louder um if it's too chaotic for everyone to be let's say you have a larger class like you know 28 to 35 students i would not have 35 students playing recorder independently at once, because if it's not going to drive you nuts, it's probably going to annoy other students and they won't be able to focus. So you can break it up where if everyone has their own device, you could say, all right, if you're in group Apple, then for the next 10 minutes, you're going to be listening to this music by listening and watching this YouTube video And it's a 10 minute recording of something, or maybe it's a book that they're listening and watching to. If you are in the B group, you're going to spend this time. So it's kind of like stations, right? right? So if you're in B group, you're going to spend this time on this, on playing Chrome music lab and just playing around and seeing what you can do. Maybe you give them a prompt like on SongMaker. And then if you're in the C group, the carrot group, then you're going to be doing your individual practice. So it's kind of like, like I just said, um, stations, but we're not doing a lot of moving around. It's just the activities that we're moving. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. And it's all self-guided. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now on ukulele, um, I've had several times where I have a class full of 20 kids playing ukulele and that's worked out very well because it's not really loud. And then after that 10 minutes, I will say, now I want you to go and find other people who want to play the song that you want to play. And so you small group together can practice it. Yeah, I do that a lot with recorder as well. If they're doing recorder karate or whatever, the kids who are practicing the same belt get together and practice it together. And that yes. does cut down on the amount of individual playing happening. And, all yeah, and you'll and I often find that I always have students who really value that individual time and won't want a group. Or yeah. sometimes you will see you'll have a group of kids who are like all wanting to play the same song, but their dynamics as a group don't work someone's yeah yeah, someone's too bossy or there's three people who want to lead it or you know whatever and so you have to know your students and that's the benefit of you being your own sub is that it might be a class situation where you go you know what all of us playing the same musication play along is much better than everyone in their own separate groups because I know how these students don't gel and that'll take a lot of your energy. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, since you mentioned stations, let's talk about that. Um, We've talked about stations a lot. In fact, I think we have a whole episode about stations. We'll link to it in the show notes. But um, stations are a really great thing to do when you're feeling low energy if your students have done stations before. This is not a time to break out stations for the first time because that requires a lot of you talking and explaining and going over expectations. But um, this just happened to me me this last week. So um, for me, my low energy comes from the fact that I'm preparing a fifth grade musical, as I mentioned earlier, and then also my second graders are preparing for a program. My choir is also getting ready to do some big things. So I just feel that a lot of my energy and time has been spent typing up parent letters and emails and doing those extra things. And so I just really needed some simple lessons to kind of get me through, especially Friday yesterday, I was feeling it. So anyways, I decided to do stations with basically all the grades that weren't preparing for a concert. And so that was a really perfect thing to that just allowed them to practice concepts they've been working on um, but less talking for me because they had done stations before so it was really easy to get them started and rotating around and it just kind of ran like clockwork which is great exactly yeah so um, let's talk about other things you can do either whole class or small group or individual is this is some time to bring in that music listening and appreciation piece Um, A couple podcast episodes ago, we talked about um, connecting real world music to that quote elementary music that sometimes, you know, we worry about that connection. This is an excellent time to pull together some really fantastic videos of live performances and have kids watch it whole group. Um, It's kind of like putting in a movie, but it's not because This is not, oh, well, I have an old copy of Lady and the Tramp or, you know, I know I can stream such and such random movie that has no music content um, on YouTube. So I'm just going to do that. Um, Not to say I haven't done that, but honestly, it's been a really, really long time since I've done that when it wasn't connected to a, like my choir reward is that they get to watch, I don't know, um, The Sound of Music, for example. Right. So yeah, it's worth watching some footage of musicians playing live. And then you can take some time doing some 
pairing and sharing where you have guided questions for kids to talk about after they've watched something as a whole. If kids are coming to you with individual devices and headphones, the headphones is the tricky part at this time of year for me, because a lot of kids have lost theirs, but um, you could, let's say they don't have headphones. You could set up around the room. Okay. Well, if, when you're in this area of the room, we're all going to watch this one device four of you are going to gather around and you're going to watch so-and-so perform this. And then you're going to follow these questions. Um, when you're over here, you're going to watch this one device. So even if you have less devices, you don't have to have whole group watching. If you think it's not going to go well after a few minutes, I don't know if you've had the experience of watching something that's a little too long and kids start breaking out in conversation across the room, Mm -hmm. which can be a distraction especially if it's not related to what you're doing, which sometimes it's not. Um, (laughs) But you could make that whole class time a, we listen and then we talk about what we just heard. Yeah, respond in some way. Alternatively, yeah. um, You could send kids to listen individually on their own Chromebook and headphones. And then after, you know, a set amount of time, you say, okay, if you watched Shakira perform live this song, come over here and you're going to talk here. If you watched um, Selena perform, then you come over here and talk, you know. So there's lots of different ways that you can divide and conquer and keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and allowing for student choice within that. So maybe you create some sort of a um, electronic choice board through a Google Doc with hyperlinks and you say, you know, within this, you know, tic-tac-toe board, you need to do three in a row. And then, you know, again, this is if they have individual headphones, this works the best, but they can listen to three different artists and then do a compare and contrast of some sort. But giving them that autonomy and that choice of who and what they want to listen to, this is a great opportunity to include that as well. Yeah. Um, And some other specific videos that you could watch whole group or individually are um, some books to sing or listen to. I'm thinking about The Remarkable Farkle McBride, which I believe comes in around 20 minutes, doesn't it? Something like that, yeah. It's definitely a longer one. And one of our favorites, The Composer is Dead, which will take more than one class period. Yeah, there's a series of videos on that, and I mean... I'll be honest, I don't know about the legalities of that one in particular because they're showing pictures of the book and things like that. But um, if you if you look for it on YouTube, you'll find it. And some people have put together videos that are in multiple parts so you can stretch it over multiple lessons. I was able to get through The Composer is Dead in, in one class period, but it took up a lot of it, a lot of oh, that class okay. period. Yeah. That's that's great. I've, never, I've only done it over two class periods, but I guess it was, I don't know, because other things needed to get done. Yeah, and it is a lot. I mean, like you said, there's kind of a threshold of how long the kids can listen, but that one is so engaging. They were able to make it through the whole thing in one class period and not get too antsy, so that's good. Yeah, and then there are also, I mean, this is not video necessarily, but um, there are some books, like I'm thinking The Composer is Dead, that have a soundtrack, and all you have to do is turn the pages. Yeah. Uh, Abiyoyo is another one, although there's an excellent Pete Seeger um, reading Abi Yo-Yo on um, Reading Rainbow. Oh, yeah. That's still on YouTube. So I would yeah. that would be my go-to. But there are other books where 
you are turning pages and someone else is doing the storytelling or the singing. All of the John Fire Robin picture books have an, have access to a recorder, mm-hmm. a recording of Jill Trinka singing and performing. I like to sing a lot of those to my kids directly, but I'm not able to play dulcimer and sing right. and turn pages all at the same time. Right. So that's kind of nice to have that going on. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, looking for really great live performance videos. We've talked about Tiny Desk concerts before are really fantastic. Um, Stomp, the Stomp Out Loud series, um, those are really great videos to show, especially older kids. Um, And then, you know, maybe later on you create a lesson out of it where they're creating different rhythms and layering them together. But it's, it's still a very musically appropriate thing to show your kids instead of just, like you said, popping in a random Disney movie (laughs) that doesn't necessarily have a lot of very specific musical content to it so exactly um and also we should just give a shout out that this would also might be a good time to engage in some composition work Mm -hmm. in small groups or individually especially if you can connect it to a a, um, platform that kids might already know in our district we have soundtrap as a district-wide license and so my students have already utilize Soundtrap and they know their way around it because they've done it in their classroom. And I know I got from you, Carrie, an excellent, very simple build a composition. You must include bass, keyboards. Um, what else was it? Percussion. Bass, keyboards, and drums. Yeah. Which I got yeah. that from, uh, I went to a small training with one of the Soundtrap representatives for our district. So that's not original to me. Give credit. I to- know where it I'm goes just, but yeah, yeah just giving them a really basic you know parameters of what to compose so it's not just completely open-ended but yes. like tanya said i mean it's it's important to make sure that they've used it before because again this is not the time where you want to be introducing and now you click here to add drums and now you want to click here to log in you know this is not your time to explain all of those details but to just give yeah. them a, an assignment and let them go for it right and we have to mention chrome music lab because um, <laughs> even if your kids have not used Chrome Music Lab, it doesn't take much poking around for them to fi- figure out how to do it. Um, yeah. I think it's helpful to start start with like a prompt, like in Melody uh, or Song Maker. You can preload that and start a melody and then they have to finish it or just give some basic guidelines. Um, I think the thing with setting up composition work is that you want to make it so it's still not too much work for you before class, right? Yeah. So with Chrome Music Lab, I wouldn't make it like, now we're practicing law and you've got to finish Apple Tree and now I have to do this extra work. You still want to make sure that you know, I, I could see going into Chrome Music Lab and into Melody Maker and putting in some percussion at the bottom and saying, you've got to make something where if you see a triangle, you can use two or three notes. But if you see a circle, you got to use only one note. I don't know, something very basic. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't all yeah. have to be technology-driven, too. I just want to give a shout-out to manipulatives as well that um, I think these types of yes. lessons are a good day to dig into a manipulative situation that maybe takes up a lot of time in your normal class, so maybe you might be hesitant to do. So, for example, just yesterday with my first graders, I have just presented quarter note rest this, this last week. And so um, in my low Me energy... Too. 
Yeah. In my low energy lesson, I thought, well, what a great time to, to bust out those one inch cubes that I have that have ta on two sides, TT on two sides, and then rest on two sides. So we, they each got their heartbeat chart, you know, four heartbeats on a laminated strip, and then they each got four cubes. And so I did some dictation with them, and then we did some roll and compose. So they rolled the dice, and then whatever those four things were, they arranged it, and then we all read our four beat rhythms all at the same time. A little cacophony moment and then we did it again and we did it again and so that whole activity did take up like 15 minutes of my lesson by the time we passed it out by the time we explored and then I did have a moment where they went around and they each individually shared out loud so it became an assessment as well but 15 minutes in an activity in first grade in a quote-unquote normal lesson might feel too long but in a day where I was feeling lower energy and I kind of wanted to dig into something and and I got to sit on the floor for for those 15 minutes (laughs) that felt good you know little things like that yeah and if you wanted to further extend that you could paper and pencil it where they and you could make it super simple where you just really write out four boxes right or you could make four little boxes and they have to write their composition right and then here's four more little boxes and they write one one beat rhythm per box i mean you could go on tpt and find some fancy schmancy with cutesy border stuff but you know you could just you don't even have to do boxes. You could even draw four lines across, mm-hmm. right, the middle, and then four more lines underneath that. And you can have a 16-beat composition where you really literally just put pen to paper, draw 16 lines, photocopy it, hand it out, and we're good to go. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, of course, all of this depends on your students and how long they can focus on any of these things. Yeah. So, you, yeah know where your kids are at. So the last thing we just want to mention is just some things that you might do to plan ahead so that when these days come, you kind of already have an arsenal of activities and things that you can pull from, and it's not a last-minute scramble. You know, it's kind of the same idea as having emergency subplans ready to go. Maybe you have some in emergency you plans ready to go <laughs> for when you know you're having these kind of days. Um, so having videos, an arsenal of videos, um, is a really great idea, whether it's you making videos of yourself, singing and doing things, or taking videos of your own students doing a singing game which then you can use later as demonstration videos these would not be for public consumption things that you're putting out on YouTube or in a public forum but just things for your own classroom I know Tanya you made a ton of videos especially during the pandemic that you now pull out and use for your own lessons I do um yeah and I just love that and because there's been several times during class where it's the end of the class and I'm like oh I really wanted to um sing and play this song oh well i made a video of it so i'll just do that uh just fair warning it was a few years ago and so my students do say oh you look different now and that's a very (laughs) nice some of them say it nicely and some of them are like oh look at all those lines on your forehead now Uh and they weren't there with this other miss lejeune on the video so you know be prepared for that i'm not sure how much longer i can get away with showing videos from the pandemic, we'll see. But um, yeah, it's good to have uh, a collection. And we talked a few episodes ago with Becca about like the best way to collect um, YouTube videos. And there's Mm -hmm. lots of different 
ideas and thoughts of easy ways to do that. But um, yeah, having those ahead of time because you don't want to show anything that you're not sure about that, that right. you haven't vetted yourself. Um, but that's a good idea. Also familiarizing yourself with some web-based music composition programs because there are some web-based programs that are really just plug and play where you can say, hey kids, here's Groove Pizza, play around with it. Mm -hmm. and, and they will spend quite a long time just figuring out how it works. Um, and then there's other things like GarageBand where you're going to have to spend like five minutes saying, and you can go here and do this and you can go here, right? Or you want to be able to guide students towards one aspect of maybe a larger platform. So I would not say go to Chrome Music Lab and just figure out something. I would say specifically today we're going to, you know, SongMaker or right. today we're going to, what is that, Specto? the spectrograph one. Oh, I don't know why you would tell your kids to go I, and I know, I, that one. That's that not is, a good example, but <laughs> that rose to the top of my head. And I was like, if they had to have headphones, yes. If they do not have headphones, no, no, no. Yeah. 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 Well, and I've talked about this on the podcast before that, you know, having either just like a website where you have a list of links where kids can go to, or on my website, I have like a screenshot of each of these types of um, sites, which then hyperlinks to the site. And I use that, I call it the early finisher website. So anytime kids are doing an activity on their Chromebooks, if they finish early, they know that's where they can go. And that's a place I can direct them to. If I have a sub, that's a place I can direct them to if I'm not feeling good too. So if you've, you've already curated that and you have that list of places for kids to go, that is helpful to pull yeah. from. Yeah. And it, it's also worth having a few short um, lessons, you know, easier lessons that are web music program based. I'm thinking about uh, Katie Wardrobe did a really great, easy Incredibox lesson where kids have to label who's a singer, who's a beatboxer, um, that kind of thing. So I'm talking about Katie Wardrobe at Midnight Music, who has fantastic ideas and you should be following on social media and listening to her podcast because she just has so many tips and trips tricks for music teachers but also some things you can really dig into and use in your classroom I know she does webinars so um, those are worth perusing not when you're sick but when you're not sick as a kind of oh well this is something I could do in a pinch or I mean you'll also find things that you can really do um for real in your curriculum of course so right. just a shout out to her and a collection of low-tech activities as well whether it's listening glyphs there's a ton of those out in teacher pay teacher land um that you can purchase a packet of listening glyphs where the students are listening and coloring based on what they're hearing so it's not just random coloring but it's more purposeful or you know excellent like you mentioned composition worksheets or any sort of music theory type worksheets there's a lot of resources out there both free and paid where you can kind of have a nice little notebook full of worksheets that you could easily just copy off that day and and that's going to take up a good chunk of your lesson time as well exactly and now it's time for our no better do better segment carrie so 
this is not something that I'm going to say I am at all an expert in because, oh my goodness, you could devote so much time and resource into this topic. But I do just want to give mention of the idea of the banjo as an instrument and its origins as a black African-American instrument. And the reason why I was thinking about this is because um, at the OAKE conference, I went to Lorena Code's session. We talked about it in our last podcast, an excellent session where she was talking about, you know, ways to be culturally responsive and having more open-ending questioning in your classroom. And she just happened to mention this resource, which is um, an album that I immediately found on Spotify called Black Banjo Songsters of North Carolina and Virginia. And it just got me thinking in my head about times where I was surprised to find out new information, and then therefore I know my colleagues were, where, you know, when we think about the banjo, oftentimes in our you know, if if you have limited understanding as I did growing up, I just thought of the banjo as being like a country bluegrass, but very white centric instrument from that genre of music. And, you know, as I've learned more about, you know, where the banjo come from, that really, truly, it was an instrument created by enslaved Africans and their descendants here in North America, as well as the Caribbean. And then how the banjo then has become, you know, appropriated by by white folks and, you know, this the evolution of that instrument where it comes from. So again, there's so much, I mean, this is like people have devoted their lives to work to this, so I'm, there's no way I'm doing it justice. So really, I just wanted to throw it out there because the banjo is such an important instrument within our folk music realm. So especially those who are Kodai inspired, we're going to come across banjo tunes, fiddle tunes, you know, and it's just important to do that research and know where the origin of these things come from. So I will link to all of these resources in the show notes, but there's a really informative page on uh, Smithsonian Music all about banjo that has tons of links to different types of banjos and different articles and information about where the banjo comes from. Um, I also want to mention Brandy Waller-Pace, who many of us know from Decolonizing the Music Room, that organization, as well as blog, but she herself is a banjo player and is very involved in in, you know, reclaiming the banjo as a black instrument and really making sure we understand its roots. Of course, there's always my favorite, Rhiannon Giddens, who's an amazing musician, researcher, everything. So we'll just link to all of these fabulous resources so you can do more information and just remember the importance of doing research, especially when presenting um, music that has been appropriated from one culture to another and that we are just cognizant of all the things that go with that. So now it's time to work smarter, not harder. And Tanya, what would you like to share? Well, I think I've already, I mean, I know I have already alluded to this uh, when we were talking earlier about being your own sub, but my work harder, not smarter tip is don't wait for a class set of any instrument before you get started. So I've made this mistake in years past. I remember when I was collecting keyboards every year, I'd get like two, maybe three keyboards. And I held out off because I was determined when I get a full class set of keyboards, then I can do keyboards with kids. And then we can all be playing together and we'll have headphones and we can have some mini lessons and then I can set them off to work on things. And I did end up doing that eventually. However, 
what I could have done and should have done is divided the class up and had something different for half the class or even a third of the class to do while the rest were doing keyboards. So let's say you have only 10 keyboards. You are, let's say 15 keyboards, just we'll talk about half and half. You could have half of your class do a mini lesson with you on keyboards for the first part of class. And then you could have the other half maybe working on a composition assignment on their Chromebook or maybe something like um, my favorite music we've talked about in the past, the that SEL activity where well, they the, like, get to soundtrack of my yeah, life. Yeah, we'll thing. put soundtrack of my life. We'll yeah. put a link um, for that. Or maybe they're doing some listening or any of those other things that we just talked about. You could have kids doing that while you are doing a mini lesson with the keyboarders. And then halfway through class, you could switch. Mm -hmm. Or you could do a full class period of like Apple group. You get keyboards on Monday, on Tuesday, banana group, you get keyboards and you could flip flop that way. Um, Friday could be a you choose day if you think it will work out that way. You could do that in thirds if you needed to. Maybe you only have like six keyboards. You could rotate kids around. So all that to say you know, it could be ukuleles, it could be keyboards, it could be even recorders, maybe too much recorder, uh, 30 recorders is going to give you a migraine, I don't know. Uh, you could divide it up so that not everybody is playing all at the same time. And if you don't have a classroom set of anything, handbells is another thing I, I think about, which I actually have handbells at my new school, and I have not use them yet. But when I do, am I going to have every single kid at a handbell? That's going to be, I, I can see some behavior and discipline problems arising when I have a kid who's waiting around for their one note in measure 35. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's going to go well. Um, so, you know, you can divide and conquer if you have less instruments and it might be better overall in the long run for everyone's attention span. Totally. And it's time for our CODA section where we share something that we are loving or getting into or just for, you know, fun. Classroom or not classroom. Carrie, what do you have? This is not classroom, but related to classroom. So um, if you're in the mood for some teacher humor, there is uh, a gentleman you should follow either on TikTok or, you know, you can find his videos any place that shows short videos. You know, some places call it shorts, some places call it reels. TikTok has their own platform. Anyways, he goes by the name, the name Jesus Nalgas, which upon a slight bit of research, I discovered that that's a stage name because Nalgas translates to butt cheeks. So there you go. That's not his real name, but that is the name he goes by in his social media world. And what he does so well are these short videos where he is doing impressions of um, teachers or uh, school office workers, secretaries, um, the, the school nurse, um, administrators coming in to observe you, um, lots of teacher related humor. I don't know enough about him to know if he himself 
has been a teacher or works in a school setting, but these videos are painfully accurate. Um, I just made Tanya watch one and she was like, oh my gosh, I've just did this. And yeah, I feel the same way. Sorry, I'm not trying to call you out, Tanya, but it's, it's, it's that yeah. thing where you're watching it and it's so funny and so accurate at the same time. Um, so yeah, if you just need some funny teacher humor, definitely look him up, Jesus Nalgas. Sorry for keep saying that word in Spanish, but um, that's his name <laughs> as far as how he goes on all the socials and his videos are hilarious i think i went down a rabbit hole where i watched like an hour straight of these videos and oh i was my. just dying laughing the whole time they're so funny so how about you tanya what are you enjoying um i have been on a brene brown kick recently and brene brown in case you don't know um is an author social worker researcher who specializes in shame and empathy she has a fantastic ted talk um, about empathy that is worth watching more than once. Um, she had a podcast called Unlocking Us, and I'm specifically in endorsing or recommending a episode called Brene Brown with Tim Ferriss and Dax Shepard on podcasting, daily practice, and other things. And so this came out in December 2020, and they just have this fantastic three-way conversation um, just about some, some deep topics. They talk about addiction. They talk about podcasting, their daily practices, what the most important things in their daily routines are. And it's just really interesting. And I'm, I'm not really a big fan of Dax Shepard. He has a great podcast um, that I sometimes listen to, but sometimes I get a little bit uh, too much. Dax Shepard is just not, not for me, but in this context, it was just totally fascinating. I love listening to Brene Brown even more than reading Brene Brown because she just has, she relates everything with fantastic antidotes and stories from her own life. Uh, there's a lot of cursing. So be forewarned that um, Brene Brown does drop some, some, not just her, but they all drop some F-bombs and other curse words. Anyway, I've been enjoying Brene Brown podcasts. And you can listen to that podcast on Spotify. Exclusively on Spotify, yes. Yeah. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. And we always appreciate folks buying us a coffee, so look for that link on our show notes and on our Facebook page. Until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie, wishing you happy musicking.